Hi, dreamers. I hope all is well with you today. The reason I'm reaching out is to talk to you about a few things that have come up that I needed to address and some things I've been meaning to talk about and have been procrastinating on and a couple things that I've been forgetting to mention in the weekly episodes. So I'll put it all in here for you today. I wanted to first talk about episode 72, The Tale of Blaze Bernstein, which was published into our feed on December 11th, 2018. If you recall, Blaze was a University of Pennsylvania student who was home in California for winter break. He went missing sometime on or around the evening of January 2nd, 2018. His body was discovered eight days later in a shallow grave in an Orange County park. He had suffered 20 stab wounds. Two days after Blaze's body was found, a former classmate from high school named Samuel Woodward was taken into custody and charged with first-degree murder, with the added enhancement of this being a hate crime because Blaze was both Jewish and gay, and Woodward was known to be affiliated with the neo-Nazi hate group Adam Waffen Division. I want and need it to be very clear that Blaze Bernstein and Samuel Woodward were never friends while they were in high school. They were classmates, but that was the extent of their interaction. I don't believe that I made any reference to the two of them ever having been friends in high school within the episode itself, but it was brought to my attention by someone who happened to cross our episode who knew Blaze well that I did refer to Woodward as a, quote, old friend from high school, unquote, in the actual show notes that were published under the title when the episode was downloaded into your podcast directory. I'm not exactly sure why I would have referred to Woodward as an old friend from high school, though when I think back upon it, I feel like I was under the impression that when Blaze and Woodward were in contact with one another in the day or so leading up to him having gone missing, that in Blaze's mind, he was under the impression that he was meeting up with an old friend from high school, if that makes any sense. And perhaps even acquaintance may have been a better choice of words. But regardless, friend was not the right way to describe their interaction in high school. The person who messaged me about having characterized Woodward as an old friend in high school understandably found the way that I worded things upsetting. He told me he was in a relationship with Blaze. He pointed out to me that the media had been making a habit of calling Blaze and Woodward friends, and he was appalled to see this description listed in the show notes on our episode. He went on to tell me that the two were never friends, they never hung out, and that Samuel Woodward was not a friend at all in any way, shape, or form. My inaccurate choice of words was deeply hurtful, and he told me that he had been in the company of Blaze's mom when she's heard their relationship characterized as such, and that my wording only compounded that and it needed to be changed immediately. I replied to his message, and I apologized for the mistake. At first, I thought I had referred to them as friends in the actual episode, and thankfully I hadn't, 
And in all the reading I had done on the case, I didn't ever have the impression that they were ever friends. Though, as I mentioned earlier, I felt like perhaps Blaze assumed that the meeting that they were going to have on the evening of January 2nd was going to be a friendly one with someone that he had known back in high school, and I may have thought that that was the state of mind that Blaze was in. If you recall, Woodward had tricked Blaze into meeting with him that evening by insinuating that there were intentions of a sexual encounter in order to lure him to that park where he is alleged to have attacked Blaze, ultimately stabbing him 20 times. And I say alleged at this point, as he has yet to stand trial, but the evidence does point to this crime having been committed by Samuel Woodward, and I do believe that he is responsible. I was able to get in there and change the wording of the show notes, and it now reads that Blaze was meeting with a former classmate from high school. I got back in touch with the person who let me know, and he was understanding. We talked a little bit more about the episode, and it seemed like it was a bit difficult for him to get all the way through it, but when he did, he said it was fitting and respectful of Blaze, which I was very pleased to hear. I heard from another listener whose daughter was also a classmate of Blaze's, and she too concurred that the portrayal of Blaze was accurate. And that is ultimately what's most important in the end. That particular episode sparked some negative response and criticism of my lengthy discussion at the beginning regarding Adam Waffen division and the alt-right, that the show went too political. Maybe I was being naive, or it really didn't occur to me while I was researching Adam Waffen division, but my intentions were not to talk politics. I was looking at the spectrum of politics. We have the left and we have the right, and it can go from one extreme to another. Both sides have a range from middle of the road to far left and far right, and I was attempting to put Adam Waffen in perspective as not only being an extremist group, but also a hate group, a terrorist group, and a group that exists on the fringes to the point where I would even go so far as to say I wouldn't even consider them to be a political group. And that's kind of sort of where my mind was when I was discussing it. They are terrorists. And that being said, if you felt like things got too political, I apologize for that as well. We've always made sure that we've stayed out of that topic of discussion as much as possible And to be quite honest, I am seriously like the last person who wants or needs to talk about politics. I don't like talking about it. I don't like reading about it. It just makes me really, really sad and annoyed and it hurts my head and I don't like it. On occasion, some things may get woven into a crime where it may become a detail of the case. Then we might touch on it like we did with Adam often. Otherwise, no politics to see here, just murder and mayhem. So back to Blaze, just to be clear, the person who messaged me about him, he told me that he was his boyfriend, and he told me that Blaze's parents referred to him as such. Though he and Blaze did have an on-again, off-again relationship, 
and at the time Blaze had been communicating with Woodward, ultimately going out that night to meet up with him. It was important to him for us to understand that they were, at the time, off, and Blaze was uncommitted and free to see others if he chose. And one last thing, I pronounced Blaze's sister's name wrong. I think I said Bo when it's actually pronounced Bowie. And speaking of mispronunciations, I was also informed that I mispronounced Ennis Cosby's name throughout the entire episode. I was told it was Ennis, and I was saying Enos. And just a heads up, I'm researching a case for next week, and I think it will be next week if all goes well. It's kind of a long story, so I hope to have it done in time. And there are like a hundred names in the story, and all of them are different with all kinds of pronunciations, and those are going to be all over the place. When I copy and pasted the names into my notes into a Word document, Every single one of them was underlined with the red squiggly line that everything was misspelled, which for me doesn't mean misspellings. It means mispronunciations is probably going to be a thing. Anyway, I would like to say thank you for all of the feedback that we received on that episode on Ennis. Though many of you recalled his murder back when it happened, it seemed as though just as many had never heard of it before. And I think All of you who mentioned it, that his story had not been featured previously on a podcast, which is always nice to hear, too. I don't mind covering cases that have been told on other podcasts, mainly because our show is not only designed to feature California crime, but we try to cover a variety of cases, well-known and not so well-known. And it's also meant to be something that's easy and relaxing and perhaps even to fall asleep to. So subject matter in that case is really inconsequential. I also want to thank those of you who took the time to go onto iTunes and leave the podcast version of A Sickness in Time a nice review, and also for the wonderful feedback that you've been giving the book and the narration of it. It's being released chapter by chapter weekly and can be found on your favorite podcast directory. And if you enjoy the book... The first 30 listeners who are able to sign into iTunes and leave a nice rating and review can screenshot your review and email it to mfthomasauthor at icloud.com and you will receive an autographed copy of the book. If you need to get that email address again, I did put it in the show notes of episode 85 and I will keep it in the show notes for the next few episodes, including this that you're listening to now. And the last thing I wanted to quickly talk about was the response that I received regarding episode 85, the tale of the lady in the water. Well, nobody has actually messaged me about the actual crime itself, but rather the beginning. Sometimes I use the beginning to lead into a story if I can. In the early episodes, I used to ramble on more than I do now. I try to get straight to the point quickly. I try to relate the case to something that goes on with me or with other cases that we've heard that are more well-known that might be similar to the subject matter. And this time, we had a case that delved into a troubled relationship between mother and daughter. And it was something I related to and several women listening related to also. 
While the subject of our case took things way too far, and obviously none of us who have difficult relationships with our moms have that option, we somehow have to figure out a way to live with this reality that our moms are just going to be a difficult aspect of our lives. Some of you said that you don't speak to your moms anymore, and I totally get wanting to be in that place. Though things are kind of okay for the time being with me, I still haven't forgotten how liberating it was to not have to deal with her every single day. I was asked what I thought my mom's problem could possibly be. I can't 100% be sure because I'm not a psychologist. I'm not in her head. I can't tell for sure what's going on. My mom is one of those types of people who sees herself as like the perfect human being. Nothing she ever does is wrong. Nothing she thinks is wrong. And she chooses to isolate herself from people almost completely because everybody else is beneath her. And the measure of who you are as a person is directly correlated to your material assets and your net worth. So when you're dealing with someone who is as narcissistic as that, any hopes of establishing a working relationship where real change can be affected feels impossible. So my answer to this is to just hide in order to avoid the criticisms and the judgments. I don't share anything personal. She doesn't know what I do or where I work. She doesn't know about this podcast. She doesn't know when or where I travel when I do. I don't tell her if I'm sick or if I'm not feeling well. If we go shopping, I don't buy anything when she's around because she'll pick on everything that I'm buying or how much I'm spending. If we go eat, I never suggest the place because it always ends up being terrible or she will sit there and eat nothing at all because I was the one who chose it. The times that I've taken her out to eat for her birthday, she'll sit there and order like a side salad and an ice water. If I cook or bake anything, she'll refuse to try it because I made it. But if she cooks something and I don't want to take some with me, it's like the end of the world because it's some sort of personal insult. The list goes on and on. So What does it all mean? Maybe jealousy? I have no idea, but these are just small examples. And it's really hard to explain how bizarre my mom's behavior actually is, because this is what life is like every single day with her. The bigger issue, and I believe this wholeheartedly, is that she never really wanted to have children. I believe she had me to lock my dad down for life. Otherwise, I don't think she'd ever had any. She's always despised and resented her own mother for having eight children, though oddly enough, she would never blame her dad for having any part of that. She's always had this weird anger and resentment and hatred directed towards women. It's really bizarre. I've never seen anything like it in my life. If all of you listening have any insight, I'm all ears. Anyway, to all of you who messaged me and posted about my poo-pooing about my mom, 
Thank you for reaching out. I knew that I wasn't alone. Thanks again for listening to me go on and on about this. It really does feel good to get it out there and off my chest. I will be back with you all again next Tuesday with another installment of our little show. And until then, sweet dreams.